I'm in awe uh, of the opportunity just to, to be here tonight, to share this time with you and to uh, be back on this stage and to, to talk about something that began here, just like Doc was talking about before. You may or may not know this. By the way, just a show of hands here, uh, who has been involved with Frontline at some level? Okay, and then who is, who's here tonight that just wasn't involved with Frontline at all? Okay, about two-thirds and a third. About two-thirds of you some have some background in Frontline, and maybe the last well, about a third of you may have heard this from the announcements at McLean and decided to come tonight to talk about this. I want to tell you a story tonight. I want to tell you the story of the last well, but, but really it's a story of young adults believing God for great things. It's a story of people young and passionate about the gospel here in the Washington, D.C. area. It's a story of 20-somethings who were Joshua's for their generation, believing God could do great things, having stand-on-air faith that God was wanting to do big things in our generation as he did with Joshua, as he did with Moses, as he did with Wilberforce and others, great men and women throughout history who've done great things with and through the power and the strength of God. It's about these young adults. Doc was telling you about the, uh, the fact that they had watched a movie uh, by William Wilberforce, about William Wilberforce, called Amazing Grace. That movie, that movie Amazing Grace was one of the most more uh, impressive movies that I had seen. But, but what's even more impressive is that God used this movie back in 08, 09, to reach some 4,000 young adults that were regularly attending several campuses at Frontline around the D.C. area. I'm convinced to this day, everyone at Frontline saw that movie. I didn't get dozens. I got hundreds of emails and phone calls and people coming by the church and seeing me at Starbucks, which I was at all the time. And they would say, Todd, have you seen Amazing Grace? And I go, yeah, I just saw it. It was incredible, this story about this man that, that took his passion for Jesus and his political prowess and spent 40 years of his life, his entire life actually, fighting the slave trade in the UK. And then he won. He ended the slave trade and days later he died. And this, this story was affecting these young adults. And they're like, listen, how come we can't see something end in our generation? Like Wilberforce did. Why can't we see God move in that kind of a way in this generation? I said, we can. He's looking for availability, people that are available and submitted to him. God wants to do those kinds of things in our generation. Eventually, I don't know who came up to me and said this, but he said, why can't we have a Wilberforce moment in our generation? And that stuck with me. Why can't we have a Wilberforce moment for our generation? God was really stirring in my heart as the pastor of Frontline. You've got all these young adults, God, that you're stirring in their hearts a passion for something, to end something in their generation, to give you glory, to have their own Wilberforce moment. What's that going to be? So I gathered the staff together and some volunteers and small group leaders and ministry team leaders and began to ask two questions. Very simple at the time. It was two questions. Number one, the first question was, what's the greatest need in the world? What's the one thing that we can use as a tool to go out into a given region of the world and end something? What can we use as a tool to go out there and share the gospel? And very, very quickly, very quickly, we realized it was water. I don't know if you know this, I didn't when I started studying this back in 0809. I knew that there were a billion people out there, a large number of people that didn't have access to clean water. I knew and had read articles and had seen to some degree that children were dying from waterborne diseases in many countries around the world. They weren't living the way that we do or most of us do in the United States. But as we began to study this, we began to understand just how big of a deal it is. And rather than try to explain that to you, I want you to watch this video right here. Water. It's life's most basic need. 
But there's a water crisis in our world right now. Seriously, a crisis. Nearly one billion people live without clean drinking water. It's happening all over the world, especially in developing areas of Sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, and Latin America. It's a water crisis because it starts with water. But water affects everything. Education, health, poverty, and especially women and children. Let's look at a family caught in the water crisis. It's likely they live on less than a dollar a day. When they're thirsty, they can't just turn on the faucet for a nice cold glass of water. They don't have a faucet. Instead, the women and children go off to collect water. Many walk up to three hours a day to the nearest swamp, pond, or river to gather water that's been sitting out in the open, exposed to all kinds of germs. Time spent gathering water is time they can't spend learning to read, write, earn an income, or take care of their family. Some women in Sub-Saharan Africa spend more time collecting water than any other activity they do in the day. And the walk isn't just hard, it's dangerous. The women are alone and burdened with 40 pounds of water. Many get hurt. Sometimes they're even attacked. When they make it home, the little water they've collected isn't clean. Some families know their water is contaminated with germs that cause diarrhea, dehydration, even death. But what choice do they have? Kids, especially babies, are affected most by these germs. About every 19 seconds, a mother loses one of her children to a water-related illness. And each day, almost a billion people are living this way. Until they get a little help. The water crisis is solvable. There are solutions. Some are brand new and innovative, like water filtration systems. Some are age-old, like drilled or hand-dug wells. These solutions bring clean water much closer to the people who need it. A safe water project near a village restores hours each day to a person's life. This time, it's opportunity. It's freedom to go to school and get an education, to work or start a business, to raise a family. Africa alone could save 40 billion hours each year. That's the entire annual workforce of France. Clean water means less disease. That's less money spent on medicine, which means more money for books and school uniforms. And if the water project is built near a school, it can increase attendance, especially among young girls. The water crisis is vast, but we can solve it. Just $20 can provide one person with access to a clean water project in their village. And this will mean more than clean water. Because water changes everything. Join us. So we watched things like that. We read articles about water and these young adults at Frontline got fired up about the idea of using water as a tool, water as a tool to share the gospel in a practical way, to go and meet physical needs so that we could show a shadow of God's love to them, show it in a practical, receivable way. So we decided that water would be the tool, but the next question was what's the most challenging place? Now, what was interesting about this at the time was we were in several dozen different countries with relationships during, uh, doing short-term mission trips with young adults at Frontline. And uh, I kind of assumed that as God was working through this process, we would end up in a country we were already in, either South Africa or Egypt or some other area that we were already connected to a church or a ministry. But that's not what happened. 
we began to ask the simple question, what's the most challenging place? That's what these young adults wanted to find out. What's the place no one else wants to go to? What's the place when we go and everyone else is, is, is running away, when we go in there, God's love is gonna shine in a bright, almost blinding way. And we began to do some study on this, and I won't take too much time, but we found out Liberia was the second poorest country in the world at the time. And because of Ebola over the last few years, Monrovia, the capital city of Liberia, is now the poorest city in the entire world. Even back then, second poorest in the world, second poorest country. And then there's actually a misery index that tells us what the most miserable places are to live. Do you even know that? I didn't. A misery index. Liberia is the second most miserable place to live. USA Today's subsidiary, uh, 247.com, named it the most corrupt country in the world, and they had just come out of a 14-year civil war. Radical poverty, corruption, misery, and a 14-year civil war. Now, I'm reading all this stuff right as the pastor going, man, this place is messed up. There's so much going on here that's challenging. Ministries and missionaries were leaving in droves during the war. I mean, it was a horrible place. You know what these young adults did? They're like, that's it. That's the place we want to go. Everybody's leaving. That's where we're going to go. And so very, very soon we realized that not only was water the tool, but Liberia, this, this country Liberia was going to be the place that we were going to go. I want to give you a couple of things just to help you understand a little bit better the challenges they're dealing with. In their civil war, a quarter of a million people died. It was a massive, massive challenge for them for 14 years. A quarter of a million people died. But these young adults started studying the statistics and they found out that since the war in 04, when we were studying these, that 300,000 people estimated had died from waterborne disease since the war. So in other words, more deaths from water than from war. And that was really impacting these young adults. As I was talking about Ebola just a moment ago. As of March of 2015, if you guys kept up with this Ebola outbreak, it was the worst outbreak of Ebola in history, in recorded history. 10,216 deaths from Ebola over 12 months in three different countries. And Liberia alone was the epicenter of those three countries. Half the deaths happened in Liberia. But as we started studying about the water crisis, look at this. Up to 100 people a day are dying from waterborne diseases in Liberia. So just hang with me for some math, okay? If you divide 100 into 10,000 or so, right, that's 100 times. So 100 times 100 is 10,000. Think about this. Every 100 days in Liberia, just the country of Liberia, every 100 days, the equivalent number of deaths from the greatest Ebola outbreak in history happen because of waterborne disease. Wrap your mind around that. Every three months, three months after three months after three months, the equivalent of an Ebola outbreak happens, the worst one in history, because of waterborne disease. Now, Ebola can't be eradicated. It can only be contained. Waterborne illness can be eradicated, and these young adults are going, that is unacceptable in our time. It was so exciting as a pastor to watch these young adults get fired up about what God was doing. He was building up a Wilberforce moment for their generation, and they could feel it. So after we went through this whole thing, let me just get to this nation of children. We realized the tool uh, was water. The place was gonna be Liberia, but the goal was always gonna be centered on the gospel. These young adults weren't, weren't interested in water for water's sake. They wanted to have it as a tool to go and share the gospel with a nation of people that desperately needed the love of God. And that's what they did. So the mission came out of this discussion, this prayer over several months. It was this. Provide access to clean drinking water to the entire nation of Liberia, border to border, and share the gospel, offer the gospel with, to every person that we serve by 2020. 
I was sitting there talking with these young adults about this. I said, look, we've got to have an end date, right? Just as Wilberforce ended slavery, we need to have an end date for this. And so I remember these young adults, I said, listen, guys, um, it took uh, Wilberforce 40 years to end slavery. Um, let's start praying about how long this might take. And I had a couple of young guys <laughs> sit there and go, hey, we got it. We got it all figured out. We're going to do it in five years. So they said, very confident too. We're doing it in five years. And I remember saying, thinking to God, I don't want to like pour water like on their passion. But I said, so basically what you're saying is we want to reach an entire nation, something that's never been done before in the time it takes to finance a car, right? And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what, let's pray for a couple weeks and somewhere between five years and 40 years, we've got a deal. And so we prayed for a few weeks and came back and the Lord through some circumstances helped us understand that 2020 would be the goal. So at the time, it was a 12 year goal to reach all of Liberia with the gospel and clean water by 2020. Now, I'm trying to tell you all this to get some of you, the third of you that don't know anything about the last well, kind of up to speed. Over the last eight years, since those young adults decided that they were gonna believe God for great things, we've been able to do over 1,800 projects. 1,800 projects in Liberia. We'll do six, 700 projects just in 2016 alone. So about two a day. And, and the reason I tell you that is because this is what's really happening. It, it kind of gives you a graphic presentation of what God's really doing here. When we started back in 2009 with young adults here at McLean, we did 25 projects, water and gospel projects, brought, brought clean water to the village, and then preached the gospel through a Liberian preacher and saw people come to faith in Christ. We saw that happen 25 times in that first year. That was once every three weeks. Now we're seeing two of these villages transformed a day. And it had to happen like that for us to reach the goal by 2020. And this is what the young adults were so passionate about and really what it comes down to. We've reached just over 1.1 million people with the gospel. 1.1 million people, just a little over that, have heard the gospel truth of Jesus Christ and had an opportunity to respond to that because of the actions of young adults in the D.C. area believing God for great things. That's an amazing thing. But here's what's left. You can clap for that. This is what's left. And, and the reason we say 850,000 plus is because here's the challenge we're dealing with in Liberia. When we as a ministry started asking the question of the Liberian government, USAID, World Vision, Compassion, groups like that, what's the information you have about Liberia? We realized that there was no information on Liberia. That we, depending on the article you read, there were between three and a half and four and a half million people in the country. That's a million people, right, that we're not even sure are there. And so we realized as we walked through this process that we were gonna actually have to do our own assessment of the country. And so a couple years back, we sat down and prayerfully just asked God to guide us through this. And Doc Lawson helped us to meet with the president, President Sirleaf and the vice president, the Ministry of Public Works, the Ministry of Health, all these key leaders in the Liberian government. God just opened those doors for us to sit down and talk with them. And they said, look, we've got some information, but not all. But we can help you with the process. And so a couple years ago, we began this process of literally going hut to hut, village to village, district to district, county to county, border to border in the country of Liberia. And sometime in the middle to end of next year, we will have actually assessed the entire country border to border. We'll know where every church is and where it's not. We'll know where water is and where it's not. We'll know more information about Liberia than the government does itself. And we'll freely share that information with the government and other organizations so they can continue to bring education and other benefits to the people in Liberia. But it's amazing how many brick walls we've had to push through to see this thing happen. And now we're in a situation where we believe we have about 850,000 people left to reach. 
and we built this thing, this roadmap to completion. And what's so amazing about this is we've watched God work through this process is that we can actually see the finish line. It's been eight years now. We have about 51 months left and we can see the finish line. We can watch this county by county roadmap to completion to 2020. We know exactly what needs to be done, how many people we have in the field. We've got evangelism teams and church planning teams and water provision teams out in the field ready to go. I want to share a really, really neat story about one of these areas, Grand Cru. There's a small county in southeast Liberia. We actually thought that the last well would be, pre, uh, would be drilled and the gospel would be preached in the last village in that area. Because southeast Liberia is the hardest place to reach. In fact, there's just a lot of ministries that won't even go down there because it's near impossible to get there. But interestingly enough, when we were starting to do these assessments, we realized that um, there were some people we knew out in the, down in that region, and we sent them down there to do an assessment, and they were very effective at it. It was one of our first countywide, one of the 15 regions of Liberia. It was one of the first counties we actually knew where all the churches were and weren't, where all the water was and wasn't. We knew everything border to border. About that same time, I got a call from a gentleman who was part of a ministry at Liberty University. For the last three years or so, Liberty University students have started this grassroots movement to raise awareness and funds for the last well. They've bought into this mission to reach a whole country for the first time in history. And one of their leaders had called me on the phone, this was about a year, year and a half ago, and said, listen, we've been doing this thing for a couple years with you. Do you have a region or an area that we can focus on? And I go, wow, it's so funny that you're calling me. We just got this assessment back from this really challenging area in Southeast Liberia. He said, oh, that's perfect. Tell me what it's all about. So I told him how many projects we needed, how many evangelists we needed to send out, church planning teams. He goes, oh, that's perfect. Let me tell my group. And they came back to me after that was over and said, that's what we want to do. We want to do a small version of the mission of the last well. We want to, students at Liberty, we want to fund the projects in an entire county border to border. And I thought, just like those guys that wanted to do it in five years, I'm like, do I, okay, all right, we can try this. So I sent them all the information. The most amazing thing happened. We had a 10-day event last spring at Liberty University. They had a gala and a worship night, much like we're doing here tonight. They were sharing it with students over that 10-day process, and they raised enough money to reach all the 60,000 people that were left in the Grand Crew area with water and the gospel. They raised all of it, okay? Liberty University students, right? College students. It started with young adults in DC. Liberty students there in college believe in God for great things. And this is what's happened over the last two months. This is the first public place that we've reported this. In Grand Cru, we went down there uh, first week of August. Yeah, so it's been, it's been about two months now. Went down to Grand Cru with the director of the Water Sanitation and Hygiene Division of the President's Office, President of Liberia, the, water, uh, the uh, Ministry of Public Works, uh, and the Minister George Yarngo. Um, all these representatives from the government agencies that we connected with, we flew them down to Grand Cru. We got down to Grand Cru two months ago and stood before an audience in a village there with these leaders from the main city of Monrovia and announced that we had completed Grand Cru with the gospel and clean water. The first region in the history of West Africa to be reached with the gospel and clean water ever. Is that amazing? <laughs> Minister Yarngo stood there that day. This is a, a, a picture of us there. He stood there that day and said, likely this is the first region. He said, not just in Liberia. He knew for a fact that it was the first place that this has ever happened in the history of their country. But he said, likely in all of West Africa, it would be the first place to, re to be covered with universal access to clean water. And, and what I want you to hear is this. 
Up until just two months ago, that had not happened. Up until two months ago, we'd not reached a region. We had been in many different regions doing 1,800 projects, but we'd never reached a region border to border. And the minute that were to happen, we knew it when the first county was done that we had proven that we could reach an area border to border. So if you can reach one in the most difficult area, you can reach the other 14, right? And this is what's amazing. Since that's happened two months ago, The Liberian government, who just didn't believe it was even possible to reach everybody with water, has changed their tune. They're now fully supporting it. The president's office and the vice president's office, they're all saying this can be done. In the midst of all of this, there are people going village to village. We couldn't stop them if we wanted to. They're going village to village, hut to hut, out in these really challenging regions. And they're saying this one statement. It's going all over the country. Water is coming and Jesus is bringing it. They're saying that now. They've gone from lack of belief, they've gone from disbelief, they've been told promises and promises over and over again in that incredibly challenging area, and now there's belief. Now there's faith. They're seeing that God is doing great things in their midst. Everything has changed. So now I stand here before you saying we've reached one of those 15 counties completely. And we have a roadmap to complete the rest of them. Bomi, in December of 2016, it's in the northwest region. We've already got that county worked on. By December, in less than 90 days, we should reach that entire county with the gospel and clean water. By summer of 17, we should reach Bong, one of the most populous regions in the entire country, border to border with clean water and the gospel. We'll do that by 2017 summer. And we'll go county to county, border to border in each of those counties, all the way across the country until we get to December of 2020 or earlier. Can you imagine this for just a minute? Uh, 2.59 p.m. Liberia time, November 17th, 2020. The last well has just been drilled, has been fully capped, and there's a celebration going around the well, and and a Liberian pastor stands atop the well as it's being pumped with water for the first time in that last village, and he preaches the good news of Jesus Christ to that last village in Liberia. At that very moment, there will be a mark of time. That very minute will be a Wilberforce moment for our generation. Think about that. Here's the thing that I'm so convinced of as I've been a pastor and evangelist and had the opportunity to serve here and down in the Dallas region where I am right now and then full time with this ministry for the last three years. I believe most Christians, you may not agree with me, but I'm going to say it with conviction. I believe most Christians live lives of quiet desperation with very little progress in their Christian walk. I really believe that. I believe most Christians are truly followers of Christ. They've been saved by the grace of God through Jesus and faith in him. But they're failing to live the abundant life, John 10:10, 10, 10, abundant life that God has promised each one of us that's available to us. I can't tell you the number of people I've sat with in private conversations and prayer and counseling as a pastor for many, many, many years who are extremely frustrated in finding little progress in their walk with God. I truly believe this is the case. I truly believe we're not opening our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to hear and see the things that God is truly doing around us. And when he invites us on the stage, when he invites us out of the stands onto the stage of history, many of us unfortunately say no. And we miss out on what he wants to show us. We miss out on the experience he wants to share with us. I'm fully convinced of that today. It saddens me. It saddens me that that's the reality, but I'm convinced of it. 
You know, young adults, you know, I think the reason God uses young adults, used young adults to start this, he uses young adults uh, at Liberty University to do this. I, I think he started with young adults because they're the most unlikely generation from a human perspective. Well, young adults don't have any money, right? You read articles about young adults this day that are so busy with their social media and all this other stuff you hear about, right? They're the least likely generation, yet who's God using? Do you know Adoniram Judson and Hudson Taylor, all the great missionaries we read about in their history books, were all in their 20s when they changed the world? I firmly believe this. I firmly believe that this mission to reach a country with the gospel and clean water is just the beginning. I believe God wants to do great things that are far beyond Liberia. I believe he wants to not only do this, but he wants this to spark the conversation. He wants this to, to stoke the fire in the hearts of people in this room and on the internet campus right now. People that haven't even heard this story yet, that they too would go to Guatemala or Sierra Leone or anywhere else around the world and use human trafficking or water or education to show God's love in a practical way and to transform nations border to border. We were told from the beginning this couldn't be done. There was a water ministry, a Christian organization that sat down with me, their president sat down with me in a very loving way, I mean this, he sat down with, with well, he was well-intentioned. He sat down with me right when this whole thing started. He said, this is a fool's errand, Todd. You can't, you can't lead these young adults down this path because I'm telling you, you can't reach a whole country. He goes, I'm just being pragmatic with you. There's about 15% of every one of these developing countries you cannot reach. There are no trails. You would have to helicopter into each area. It would just be ridiculous sums of money. It's just not gonna happen. Why don't you instead try to reach a million people with the gospel and clean water? Then you can just go anywhere and everywhere and you can go to larger cities and it'll be less costly. That's what you should do. And I go, that's a really neat idea, but we just preached for eight weeks from the stage at Frontline that we were going border to border in Liberia. So thank God, literally thank God I didn't talk to you two months ago. Because look what we would have missed out on. What if I would have listened to you? We serve a great God. We serve a God that wants every single one of us in this room and watching on the internet campus to live passion-filled, purpose-driven lives that matter, that make an impact, that have a lasting footprint for God. That's what he's all about. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced today that we see the church more as a country club than the hospital it's supposed to be. I'm a little off my notes right now. But I believe it with everything that I am, that we're missing the grandeur of what God wants us to see. Do you know that we, the church, are God's plan A and there is, there is no plan B? Not big business, not government, not Hollywood, none of them. It's us. It's the people of God. We are God's hands and feet. We are God's money. We are God's mouthpiece. We are God's everything. We are God's plan A. And tonight we're talking about transforming an entire nation. There are 850,000 people left in that country that still don't have water and have not heard about Jesus. Right now while we're here, they're sleeping. It's 11, 12 o'clock in Liberia. They're going to bed tonight, drinking dirty water, wondering if their child is gonna see their next birthday. That's the life they're living in. And we have an opportunity tonight, tonight, to actually completely end that for them for generations. We have an opportunity tonight to preach the gospel to 850,000 people in Liberia who still need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity not only to do that in Liberia, but to change the discussion 
of what it means to do mission work around the world. Who knows the name Roger Bannister? We talked about him on that video early on tonight. Roger Bannister. Very few people know this guy's name, but you'll know what he did. He broke the four-minute mile in 1954. Roger Bannister was a runner. He was on that video earlier tonight. Roger Bannister was told by everyone that you cannot break the four-minute mile. Every scientist, every athlete, every coach. It was just absolute fact, big F fact, that you could not break the four-minute mile, run a mile in under four minutes. It was just an established truth for all of human history until Bannister did it. In 1954, he crossed the finish line in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. He beat the four-minute mile by 0.6 seconds. And all of a sudden, the impossible was possible. But that's not the end of the story. It gets better. 47 days. All of human history had never been done. Bannister crosses the finish line in under, 40, in under four minutes. 47 days later, another man does it. Did you know that? That's the rest of the story right there. Another man crosses the finish line in under four minutes in 47 days. What was the difference in all of human history in those 47 days? Perception. Right? Somebody actually did it. They said it could be done and they did it and everybody's going, I guess you can. Right? And then they started doing it. Do you know that breaking the four minute mile is compulsory for professional athletes today? Like, that's your entry fee. Are you with me? It's not, it's not cool or amazing. It's your entry fee into the elite status. That blows me away. Does it not blow you away? Listen, I want you to hear this with everything that I am. Liberia, reaching Liberia with water in the gospel is the four-minute mile for missions work around the world. Everyone says it can't be done. Everyone. Everyone quietly. I've received emails, phone calls, on and on and on. It cannot be done. I mean, you just would not believe the brick walls that have been thrown in front of us. People well-meaning trying to say it can't be done. They just don't believe our God's that great. They don't. Why do we think God's that small? It's the mission's four-minute mile. Look, everybody says it can't be done until it is done. Things impossible with men are possible with God. He's the worker of miracles. And now with this roadmap to completion, we're gonna go county by county because we've already done one. We've just got 14 to go in the next 51 months. And when that's done, God, God, not Todd Phillips, not Doc Lawson, not the Laswell, not McLean Bible Church, not young adults in the DC area, God will get all the glory. Isn't that right? Let me, let me go through a couple of these real quick because see all that stuff we were gonna talk about? When this is done, and it will be done, what God purposes to do, he will finish, right? It will be done. And when it's done, Liberia is gonna be the first developing nation to have universal access to clean water in history, and arguably, and this is the thing that gives me most passion, arguably the nation most saturated with the gospel and the word of God. Think about that for a minute. We've just got to believe it can get done. And now, you may have walked in here today after eight years of this ministry going on, and we're moving from faith to sight, right? We had this 
stand on their faith of these young adults back in 2009 here at McLean Bible Church. And now we can see, right, from faith, we can now see the finish line. It's not over the horizon. We can see it clearly 51 months down the road. Our evangelism teams are in place. Our church planning groups are in place. Our water provision groups are in place. Everyone is ready to go. All we have to do is fund the work. That's it. And it will get done. Seventeen hundred new projects. That's what we've got left. We have filters and other technology, but much of that's already been taken care of. There are seventeen hundred new well projects that need to be completed. That's just under, right? Just under what we've already done. We've done a little more than eighteen hundred already and reached one point one million people. We have a little, right at seventeen hundred left to reach about eight hundred and fifty thousand people. So we're reaching less people with each project if we go into the more rural and challenging areas. You guys with me? So. Those 1,700 gospel and water projects are all that's left to be funded to get this entire thing accomplished. That video we showed at the very beginning about being an actor on the stage of history, guys, there are, there are few moments that we as human beings get invited, if ever, to be part of history. It's true, right? Most of us do. We just stand from afar. We sit on the sidelines and watch others being used of God. And fewer still, when we're invited, fewer still say yes. I'm asking you to do this, whether you're here or on our internet campus right now. I'm asking you to pray about being involved with this. It would thrill me personally, but I believe God wants this to happen. It would thrill me nothing more than to, to finish what was started here eight years ago. To finish what was started here eight years ago. We've been praying a lot about this. Our board of directors, our staff, we've got a skeleton crew here in, uh, in the United States. We have a ton of people over in Liberia praying right now, and, and uh, they know that this is going on right now. They know that there's a potential for us to see this thing finished. And with the number of people we have here tonight, I want to give you just a bit of a scenario and ask you to pray about this as we have a time of worship here in a few minutes. 995 people. I don't know why I picked that number, I just did. I prayed through it and this is kind of how it worked out. It looks like there's 11, 12, 13, 1400 people in this room. I know we've got a lot of people on the internet campus. So I believe we have, I mean, we definitely have 995. We have more than that. But I want you to think about this. A well is about $3,000. We've averaged them over 1800 projects and it's $3,000 our cost as a ministry for those wells and to go in there and preach the gospel and connect them with local or regional churches to do the work that we've been called to do. And so when you look at this scenario, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I want you to ask yourself this question. Is God inviting you to be an actor on the stage of history? Is God asking you to do something here that will allow you to be on this team that, that God uses to bring the gospel and clean water to a nation for the first time ever? Wouldn't it be incredible? Just think about this. It started here at McLean Bible Church. What if McLean Bible Church simply finished it tonight? What if it just finished tonight? What would that say to the other churches around this country? What would it say to other churches and other denominations, other ministries, if McLean Bible Church said, look, we're gonna buy into this thing full bore. The people of McLean Bible Church are gonna do this. And all of us just prayed and asked God a simple question. What do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And simply said yes to God. We have the ability, and all of us know this in this room inherently. We all know it in our hearts. We all have the ability to finish this to sponsor 1,700 projects. Now, 
what I want you to look at, we've done this, we've asked a lot of different people in the water industry and Christian organizations. The biggest challenge for us right now, and this may sound crazy, but the biggest challenge for us right now is not, um, is, is, is keeping the money consistent throughout the month so we can keep our workers in the field, okay? So actually giving on a monthly basis through December of 2020, for example, uh, one well, one well would be $58 a month through December of 2020. Okay, so if, one, if you decided to do one well for $58 a month, that would bring the gospel and clean water to an average of 450 to, 450 to 600 people. And we would do that over that time frame. And if all of us worked together to get that done, those monies would come in on a monthly basis and allow our people to stay in the field at all times. And, and hear me when I say this. Our church planners and our evangelism teams and our water provider teams, they want to be in the field constantly. One of the greatest frustrations they have is to be able to go to these villages and say, water is coming and Jesus is bringing it. And then they're sitting there for nine days waiting for the funding to come in. Well, we can solve that tonight. This group, this body of people can finish this tonight. So what I'm gonna ask you to do in just a minute. In fact, um, did you guys get, your, get these when you walked in? Yes? Why don't you get those out for just a minute and let me talk to you about this real quick. This commitment card right here is one way to do this. You can actually give on the lastwell.org slash sponsor. You can go on your phone right now and give if you want to. Uh, you also fill out this commitment card and we've got giving stations in the lobby. But, but what I want to talk to you about is this. These monthly donations, these monthly amounts, you can just multiply 58 times the number of wells you want to do, and that would be your monthly commitment between now and December 2020. And you could fill out these cards and hand them to the people as you walk out or go to our giving stations and leave them there. You should also give one-time donations. That's wonderful. But what I'm asking you to do is this. Don't ask how much to give, but just simply ask God in our prayer time in just a moment and during the worship time. Just simply ask God, what do you want me to do? And if he says nothing... Don't do anything. Be obedient regardless. But if he says it, here's the deal. All I'm gonna ask you to do, and I've said this so many times and you may not believe it because I'm the guy that's asking you for the commitment. But I mean this with all my heart. If you ask God what to do and he tells you something, please don't second guess him. Are you with me? I've had several times where I've sat down at places like this, I've seen God move in mighty ways, and I go, God, what do you want me and Julie and our family to do financially for this situation at a gala or dinner or whatever? And then, and then he tells me, I'm going, are you sure? That's, that's just a tad larger than I thought. I already had a number in mind, and you've clarified something completely different. Just ask God what he wants you to do, and then when he tells you, don't second guess it. Just do it. Allow God to use you in a powerful way, and let us together as a team of people be God's plan A. Be God's plan A, and let's make history in the process and give God all the glory. Let's pray. Father, you've orchestrated all this from the beginning. You have sovereignly brought the people that are watching online, that are attending through our virtual campus. You've sovereignly brought the people into this room tonight, and you've done that for a purpose. Now, I know sometimes you do that just to simply uh, awaken the, the hearts of people to who you are through, a, through the worship that we have in song with Stephanie and the band. So you've brought some people here just to be reminded of your grandeur through worship. You brought others who don't even know who you are, Father, and, and they're hearing a testimony of how you're transforming a nation halfway around the world. 
But you've also brought people in here for a specific reason, for a time such as this, to change the world for maybe one last time. And Father, all I'm asking you to do, and you've, you've heard me say this for months since this all began, this idea for this event. You've just heard me say this over and over again. Just simply speak to the hearts of the people that you choose to bring. And then empower them by your spirit to say yes and to act on what you've asked them to do. And then thirdly, and you've heard me say this over and over again, Father, bless them with incredible joy when they act in obedience. And then allow all of us, Father, to be part of the process as we go over the next 51 months to bring this mission to fruition, to bring the gospel and clean water to all of Liberia by 2020. Father, I've told you this before too, that I'm convinced, and, and I said it tonight, that there's so many, so many Christians, so many Christ followers that don't experience the abundant life that you have for them. And it may not be giving to this mission or being a part of this, but I pray that you would, that you would open up the hearts of every single person in this room and on the internet campus today. Share with them something that you want them to do next, an act of obedience that allows them to see you in a clearer and more profound and powerful way. Whether it's supporting this ministry or doing something tomorrow that's completely different. Father, help us to be Wilberforces in our generation. Help us to understand that you want us to be those kinds of people in this generation. Help the young adults from 2008 and 2009 that started this ministry be an example of what it means to trust you with great things. So Father, we give you this time, and over the next few songs as we close our time together tonight, we pray that you'd help us to focus all of our minds' attention and all of our hearts' affection on you as we sing these songs and that we would pray and ask you what you want us to do and we would simply say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.